In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Let us kneel. Come and save us, O Lord our God. Come and help us with all the force of Thy grace. Be quick to deliver us from evil. Be not angry, O Lord. Remember no more our iniquities. Come and save us, O Lord our God. Exert, we beseech Thee, O Lord, Thy power, and come, that by Thy protection we may be freed from the imminent dangers of our sins and be saved by Thy mercy. Bend Thine ear, O Lord, to our prayers and enlighten the darkness of our minds by the grace of Thy visitation. Stir up, O Lord, our hearts to prepare the ways of Thy only begotten Son, that by His coming we may be enabled to serve Thee with pure minds. Come, O Lord, succor us by Thy great might and assist us with Thy grace. Power, honor, praise, and glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Paraclete forever and ever. Amen. Let us pray in preparation for Christmas. Blessed be the hour and the moment in which the Son of God was born of the most pure Virgin Mary at midnight in Bethlehem in piercing cold. In that hour vouchsafe, O my God, to hear my prayer and grant my desires through the merits of our Savior Jesus Christ and of His Blessed Mother. Amen. Today is the first Sunday of Advent. It is the beginning of the new church year. As we begin Advent and the new church year, God and the church give us a very important symbol, and that is the Advent wreath. So this morning we take a look at the Advent wreath. Obviously what stands out are the four candles. And whenever there is a blessed candle, this is a symbol of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so, at the very beginning of Advent in the church year, we have four candles, all symbolizing our Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ is the light of the world. John chapter 8, verse 12 also John chapter 1, verses 7 to 9. This citation from John chapter 1 is very significant because it's taken from the last gospel. Every single time that Holy Mass is offered, a great truth that is proclaimed is that Jesus Christ is the light of the world, the light that enlightens every man that comes into this world. And the Advent wreath is telling us and teaching us the same. We have these very important symbols of Jesus Christ, our light. As I told you, blessed candles symbolize Jesus Christ, who is our light. And in the candle, there are three things, the wax, the wick, and the flame. These three signify three things about Christ. The wax is a sign of His body. We could say His humanity. So the wax is a sign of His body, which was born of the Virgin Mary without corruption of the flesh. 
The wick signifies his pure soul, hidden in his body. And the flame stands for his divinity. We can also say in the flame, we see also the charity of our Lord, but primarily it stands for his divinity. So his divine nature. Again, the wax is human nature, the flame, his divine nature, his divinity. Because of this, again, the Advent wreath, great symbol, we might say four times, of our Savior Jesus Christ, we begin the new year of the church, the new year of grace. We begin this new year and we begin Advent with four great truths about our Savior Jesus Christ. And we can connect those four great truths to each one of the Advent candles. This is obviously important. This is the way we begin the church year. But also because in the world and also in our own lives, this also applies to each one of us to varying extent, to a varying extent. But that is that our faith in our Savior Jesus Christ in many ways is weak and even Erroneous. And so, Holy Mother Church begins the new year by reaffirming some of the greatest truths about our Savior Jesus Christ. Again, symbolized by the four Advent candles. Those four great truths are number one. Jesus will come with great power and majesty to judge the living and the dead. Absolutely certain, a dogma of our Catholic religion. This is also what today's Holy Gospel very clearly teaches. So here again, obviously we're talking about the second coming of our Savior Jesus Christ. When He will come to judge every soul, the living and the dead. Number two, Jesus will come to judge me At the moment of my death. That's why the hour of my death and the moment of my death is such an important time. Because it will be a singular encounter, a unique encounter with Jesus Christ who will judge my life. Every thought, every word, every action, every omission. Third truth. Jesus comes. Notice how all of the truths have to do with Jesus coming. He will come to judge the living and the dead. He will come to judge me at the moment of my death. Jesus comes to me with His grace today, now. Especially in the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass and in the Holy Eucharist. Again, a very important truth about our Savior Jesus Christ. One that many, many so-called Christians and so-called Catholics set aside. And number four, Jesus came in the flesh to save us again this Christmas. Here, we are affirming the extremely important truth That Jesus didn't just come in the flesh to save us. He came in the flesh to save me. He is my Savior. 
He loves me. He is your Savior and He loves you. That's why He was born. That's why He took on a human nature. That's why He suffered. To save you because He loves you. Let's take a few moments to reflect on the first of these great truths because this is the one that is taught explicitly and clearly in today's Gospel and it's the one that we can connect to the first Advent candle, the candle for the first week of Advent. And that is that Jesus will come with great power and majesty to judge the living and the dead. Again, from today's Holy Gospel, Luke chapter 21, verse 27, quote, And then they shall see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with great power and majesty. Close quote. St. Alphonsus Liguori preaches the following for this day, the first day of the church year, the first Sunday of Advent. So again, St. Alphonsus Liguori. The Lord has fixed a day called in the Scriptures the Day of the Lord, on which the Eternal Judge will make known His power and majesty. This day shall commence with fire from heaven, which will burn the earth. All shall become one heap of ashes. After the death of all men, the trumpet will sound, and the dead shall rise again. St. Jerome used to say, As often as I consider the day of judgment, I tremble. Whether I eat or drink, or whatever else I do, that terrible trumpet appears to sound in my ears. Arise ye dead, and come to judgment. At the sound of that trumpet, the souls of the blessed shall descend from heaven to be united to the bodies with which they served God on earth. Here St. Alphonsus Liguori is teaching about the resurrection of all the dead at the time of the final judgment. We have the souls that are in heaven, we have the souls that are in hell. They will be reunited with their bodies. And the unhappy souls of the damned shall come up from hell to take possession again of those bodies with which they have offended God. The damned shall appear deformed and black, but the just shall shine as the sun. Then the angel shall come and separate the damned from the elect, placing the elect on the right and the damned on the left. The angels are present at the general judgment, carrying the sign of the cross and the other instruments of the passion of the Redeemer. Sinners shall weep at the sign of the cross, for as St. John Chrysostom says, the nails will complain of them. The wounds and the cross of Jesus Christ will speak against them. Most Holy Mary, Queen of Angels and Saints, shall come to assist at the last judgment. And lastly, the Eternal Judge shall appear in the clouds, full of splendor and majesty. A judgment, says St. John Chrysostom, terrible to sinners, but desirable and sweet to the just. The last judgment shall fill sinners with terror, but will be a source of joy and sweetness to the elect. For God will then give praise to each one according to his work. 
In this world the rich and the noble are called happy. But true happiness consists in a life of sanctity. Rejoice ye souls who live in tribulation. Your sorrow shall be turned into joy. In the valley of Josephat you shall be seated on thrones of glory. So Bernard says that the sentence of the elect and their destiny to eternal glory shall be first declared that the pains of the reprobate may be increased by the sight of what they lost. Jesus Christ then shall first turn to the elect and say, Come ye blessed of my Father, possess the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. The judge shall then turn to the reprobate and shall pronounce the sentence of their condemnation in these words, Depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire. They shall then be forever accursed, separated from God, and sent to burn forever in the fire of hell. After this sentence, the wicked shall, according to St. Ephraim, be compelled to take leave forever of the relatives of paradise, of the saints, and of Mary, the Divine Mother. A great pit shall open in the middle of the valley. The unhappy damned shall be cast into it and shall see those doors shut which shall never again be opened. O unhappy souls, for whom is prepared such a frightening end, but brethren have confidence. Jesus Christ is now a father and not a judge. He is ready to pardon all who repent. Let us then instantly ask pardon from him. This is why the Advent season is a great season of penitence, of repentance, of praying and doing penance of turning to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who is our Savior and who is merciful. Yes, certainly He is also our judge, but that judgment is going to take place at the moment of our death and at the final judgment. Every day that God gives us life on this earth is a gift of His mercy, a time for us to make reparation for our sins and a time for us to merit a great reward in heaven by faith and good works. We look then again to the Advent wreath. We note that the wreath obviously has a circular shape. The circular shape of the wreath is a symbol of eternity and the greenery symbolizes hope and renewal. This is, again, also of great importance because this symbol of the Advent wreath with which we begin the new church year is a symbol of eternity. Reminding us and teaching us in a very profound way that we are not created for this earth. We are on this earth to merit eternal life by our faith and by our good works. St. Alphonsus Liguori says, quote, 
the business for which we work is eternity. If we make sure of success in this business, we shall be happy forever. If we fail in it, we shall be forever miserable. Close quote. And this is what the Catholic Church proclaims at the very beginning of the church year. What we as Catholics work for is eternity, not this world. Prepare for the judgment, which will determine your eternal fate. This is also why the wreath with the greenery, why it symbolizes the virtue of hope. Remember that the virtue of hope is one of the great theological virtues. Faith, hope, and charity. And hope is very much connected to this season of Advent and the beginning of the church year. Because what we hope for, again, as Catholics, what we hope for is more than anything else we hope for, eternal life. Every day that I wake up as a Catholic, that should be my hope. I hope for eternal life. Not so much that I hope that things go well for me today, or I hope that I have good health, or I hope that I have a lot of material possessions, a lot of well-being here on this earth. No, we hope for eternal life. We can say that secondarily we hope for the pardon of our sins and the help of God's grace. But we hope for those things because that's absolutely necessary in order to gain eternal life. In order to enter heaven, I have to be completely free from sin. In order to enter heaven, I have to die in a state of grace with my sins forgiven. And that's why as Catholics, every single day we pray and we hope. We hope and pray for the pardon of our sins and the help of God's grace. Without the help of God's grace, nobody's going to be able to enter heaven. And hopefully we all realize how much we need the help of God's grace to be able to overcome our own attachment to things of the world, to be able to overcome our own weakness, our own selfishness, our own sinful inclinations. That's again also why during the season of Advent, great importance is given to prayer and penance. Because it's by prayer and penance that we are able to receive pardon for our sins. We're able to make atonement for the sins of our past life. It's by prayer and penance that we're able to gain the help of God's grace. Without prayer and without penance, how are you going to gain God's grace? You really can't. And yet, the Advent wreath is teaching us that this is what we have to hope for. It's God through His church planting, in a sense, He already planted it at baptism, but in a sense planting and renewing in our souls that Catholic hope so that we will hope for what we should really hope for, eternal life, the pardon of our sins, the help of God's grace. So, during this season of Advent, make this a specific intention. 
as you pray the rosary, as you pray the posadas, hopefully all of you will pray the posadas, as you pray the rosary, as you pray the posadas, as you pray in devotion to our Blessed Mother, we have two of her great feasts that are coming up, her Immaculate Conception, Our Lady of Guadalupe, that as you pray during this time of Advent, pray for this specific intention, that our Lord, and that through the intercession of our Blessed Mother, that our Lord increase your hope. Hope for eternal life, for the pardon of your sins, and for the help of God's grace. We have then the colors of the candles in the Advent wreath. Three of them are purple, one of them is rose. The purple obviously represent penance. The rose one represents joy. And so those violet candles, again a strong reminder to us that this holy season of Advent is a time of penance. Each one of the candles, we have four candles, each one of them represents one week of Advent. So during the first week of Advent, we have the first candle lit. During the second week of Advent, we'll have the second candle and the first one, you know, two candles lit. These candles, each one of them also represents 1,000 years. For a total of 4,000 years, that's the time that passed between Adam and Eve to the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so, what the candles are symbolizing in this respect, altogether the four candles, is all of that time period, basically, of the Old Testament. And what this should also help us to grow in is a great longing for our Savior, Jesus Christ. Because this is what's represented by the patriarchs, by the prophets, by St. John the Baptist, by the Blessed Virgin Mary, all of them also being symbolized by one of the candles respectively. But as a whole, it's the longing of the world and specifically also of the people of Israel, the longing of the world for the coming of the Messiah, the coming of our Savior. This also pray for this intention during Advent, that your greatest longing will be to welcome Jesus, to be able to give Him a good account when He calls you to give that account on the day of your death. That your greatest longing will be to please Jesus. To please Jesus also, again, remember one of those great truths, the third one. Jesus comes to us now in the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass, and in the Holy Eucharist. May each of us have a greater longing to receive Jesus in the Holy Eucharist, and to receive Him with a pure heart. Advent, again, we talk about how Advent is also a time of renewal. Holy Mother Church begins the year calling every single one of her children, every single Catholic, to be renewed in his or her longing for Christ in the Holy Eucharist. This is extremely important, and it's a great truth of our faith. We have, obviously, many so-called Christians, and even so-called Catholics, that say, well, I believe in Jesus. It isn't just, I believe in Jesus. Jesus comes. This is a great truth. 
And he's not, it's not just that he came 2,000 years ago. He did, obviously. It's not just that he will come again in great power and majesty to judge all the living and the dead. So he certainly will. But he also comes now. We must believe. And do everything that we can to have an ever greater longing for Jesus, His precious body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Holy Eucharist. And to have a great longing to, to want to receive Him in a more worthy way. This is why this applies to every single one of us. It isn't just a question of coming up to receive our Lord in Holy Communion. But rather, also, obviously, He's giving Himself to us for our nourishment and for our salvation. But as Catholics, that's also the moment when we can give the greatest happiness, so to speak, to our Savior Jesus Christ. And that is to receive Him with great faith and with pure hearts. To receive Him as worthily as we can. Again, obviously, first and foremost, free from sin. But I urge you, reflect on these great truths that the Advent candle symbolizes. The first candle also represents the patriarchs. But again, don't forget, it represents also Jesus coming to judge the living and the dead. The second candle reminds us of the prophets, but it also is a symbol of Jesus will come at the moment of my death. The third candle recalls St. John the Baptist, but it also teaches us Jesus comes with His grace, especially in the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. This isn't like definitive in terms of which coming is linked with which candle, but I connected the third candle with His coming at Mass and His coming in grace because of St. John the Baptist. The third candle represents St. John the Baptist and every time that we come to Holy Mass, right before we receive Holy Communion, the priest prays the words of St. John the Baptist. Ecce Agnus Dei. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This is the great preaching of St. John the Baptist pointing to Christ, preparing souls for Christ. This is also what continues to take place in the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass where we are called to receive our Lord, to be prepared to receive Him. And then the fourth candle recalls the Blessed Virgin Mary and Jesus' first coming in the flesh when He was born of the Virgin Mary. But again, I tell you, reflect and call to mind these great truths about Christ during this Advent season. Again, especially as you pray the rosary. Especially as you pray. Because it is so necessary for us to truly believe these truths of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. A couple of quick examples with regard to the first one. Jesus will come to judge all of the living and the dead. So often what happens to us is we ourselves sin or we lose faith, we have doubts, we get really upset, we get really troubled because we see all kinds of injustices in the world. 
And we wonder, why do I get sick? Why does God allow these things to happen to me? Why, why does it seem this person has something better and yet, you know, they're, they don't go to Mass or whatever? All of these things that trouble us because we don't have sufficient faith that Jesus Christ is going to judge every single soul. And every single soul is going to get what he or she deserves. Reward or punishment. And again, remember also that third great truth that Jesus comes to us in the Holy Eucharist. Because one of the things hopefully that you'll do during Advent, again, obviously Advent is a time of prayer. Well, our most important prayer is the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. If ever there is a time to be more faithful to Mass, to come more often to Mass, to prepare yourself better for Mass, it's Advent, the beginning of the church year, to start us on the right foot, so that we be better prepared for the day of our judgment. We don't know the day or the hour. And if we as Catholics truly believe Jesus comes in the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass, well, I'm going to make a special effort to be there more often. And this is why it's so sad, because so often what I see in Advent is the exact opposite. Advent begins, and then as we get closer to Christmas, it seems like there are fewer and fewer people at Mass. I notice that almost every year. That December 18th, 19th, you're getting closer to Christmas and there are fewer and fewer people. And a lot of times on the 20th, 21st, 22nd and 23rd, there's like one soul there at Mass. And why? Because everyone has such important things to do. Because, oh, I have company that's coming out of town. My family's here. I have to prepare food. I have to do this. I have to do that. And all of it has to do with the world. And that's why Advent reminds us eternity. We heard in today's Gospel at the very end, everything on this earth is going to pass away. What doesn't pass away is Christ's Word. Obviously, Christ's precious body and blood, His sacrifice on the cross. I encourage you during this Advent, make every effort to pray the the Christmas Novena. That's the prayer that begins. We prayed it here at the beginning of the sermon. Blessed be the hour and the moment in which the Son of God was born of the most pure Virgin Mary, etc. We pray it 15 times every day. For those of you that have not begun the Christmas Novena, it's actually prayed for 25 days because we begin on November the 30th. But if you haven't begun it, it's better to start now than not to start ever. So for those that have not prayed it on November 30, December 1st or December 2nd, start it today. Begin the Christmas Novena today and pray it every day. I also encourage you in terms of prayer, obviously as I said, try to go to Mass more often during Advent. Most definitely pray the Rosary. Make an effort to pray the Posadas. This too, I mean again, there are days when everyone has all kinds of things to do in the world. That's a special time to set aside time to make this Novena in honor of our Lord. Jesus Christ in His nativity. His coming in the flesh. Christmas. And I also encourage you to read, in terms of prayer, read Matthew's Gospel, chapter 25. It's about the judgment. Spend time during this Advent reading and reflecting on Matthew's Gospel, chapter 25. And also Matthew's Gospel, chapters 5, 6, and 7. 
5, 6, and 7, those chapters in Matthew's Gospel, we could term them Christ's great teaching. And it's a great teaching also on eternity. He begins with the Beatitudes, telling us what's going to make us truly happy, not so much on this earth, but in the life to come. So Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7, Matthew chapter 25. Also obviously very good to pray from the Psalms. And remember that Advent is a time of prayer, fasting, and doing works of charity and works of mercy. In times past, this has also been relaxed over the centuries, but in times past, Advent was a much stricter time of fasting, especially fasting on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays of Advent. So again, that's an example where I encourage you, make an effort to fast some of those days in Advent, particularly on Fridays of Advent, Wednesdays in Advent, Saturdays of Advent in honor of our Blessed Mother. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.